What? Why? Why? You know, this is a mess. And what did you do? And what did you do? Oh my God, I'm sorry. I'm so hyped. We need to um, do an Instagram picture every single recording. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, it, doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be of us. Okay, okay, okay. We'll just, yeah, 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 we'll yeah, just but have we need Carly to... with the screen mask on. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, back to this lovely soft topic. <laughs> Leave the dog alone because the dog didn't do a damn thing, and now you're trying to feed him your body. Thou shall fluid. kill all of your hands and a dog fish a tampon out of the garbage. It ain't right to bubble pages in the tube. A dog. Wow! Thank you very much for listening. We are straight up evil. I'm straight Jocelyn. Evil. I'm the brunette. We got Carly. She's a blonde. Hey, yeah. And we got Katie. She's a redhead. Hola, cómo estás? Today we're talking about. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> that's that's the general tone. Of this, <laughs> yeah, this, is a, this is a hide your kids, hide your wife type. Oh, wow. uh, this is a hide Absolutely. everyone and yeah, everything. Don't let the yep. kids listen to this one. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you get through this one and you're a champ. Mm-hmm. We want to know about it. If you can, yep. if you can if you, stomach the entire if you can thing, stomach this episode. We will be shocked. Um, some something you might not know about us when we got together, decided to do this podcast. We went through, we kind of compiled a list of all the cases that we ever wanted to talk about. I specifically wanted to talk about the Gainesville Ripper because I watched an American Justice about the Gainesville Ripper when I was like 11. Ooh. And yeah, mm-hmm, just poking around mm. on cable TV and mm-hmm. ended up watching a, a episode about the Gainesville Ripper and I was petrified. Oh my God, how old, are, how old are you, Queenie? I was like 11. I was in sixth grade, I think. I was like home from school. My mm. parents weren't there. Mm-hmm. I was just like flipping through channels and I ended up watching it and it scared the fuck out of me. Mm-hmm. And I remember that his victimology was all brunettes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, this is a case I would love to learn more about. Huge mistake. 100% giant, <laughs> giant. Take it back. Take absolutely it back. giant yep. mistake. It's like when you go back, like when we just were in Montreal the other weekend and Sam and I were, were a little bit inebriated and we decided to watch Space Jam. <laughs> we... <laughs> We, it's not the same as when you were little. It doesn't hold up. So here we go. We're starting. In the dead of summer, August 24th of 1990. This is a Saturday night. The 90s. We're here in good old Gainesville, Florida. Gainesville, Florida is a, is a relatively small population, about 40,000 people. They're a tiny suburb. Very quiet. Not a whole lot going on. There is a University of Florida at Gainesville. So it is a college town, but it's relatively wealthy. The crime's pretty low. On this night, Christina Powell and Sonia Larson can't be located by their friends. One of them, Christina Powell, is supposed to meet someone, and she doesn't show up. Sonia Larson was supposed to come to an event and didn't show up. This is like right in the prime of the beginning of the fall semester. So there's events going on. There's people who are just coming to campus. There's icebreakers. There's mixers. There's all these campus events going on, and these two girls are noticeably absent from them. I already have cold chills all over my body. So, like, I'm so serious. by Monday, August 26th, Christina Powell's parents are calling the school and calling the manager of the Williamsburg Apartments to say that they can't get a hold of their daughter and they don't understand why and they need someone to stop by her apartment, knock on the door and check on her. This is totally normal. This is a normal phone call that these people get because it's a lot of college kids on the campus. It's their first time away from mm-hmm. home. So they just they don't call home for, you know, I remember they're I went on a bender. They're yeah, like yeah. freedom. Yeah. I went on a vacation when I was like, 13 to Maine with a family friend and her parents and and uh, and her sister and I didn't call my parents <laughs> like for a week oh no and they ended up call you know calling come to find out later they were calling and checking in with with her folks sure. every couple yeah. days sure. but I just didn't call so I think I do think this is more common yeah. than you might think like you're totally. just away from them and you're just like oh everything you know I'm just taking it all in mm-hmm. so needless to say this is a common phone call but they agree to go over and do a welfare check to satisfy the family they find Christina Powell dead on the floor downstairs her wrists are bound with duct tape her legs are spread apart her breasts are partially amputated and wrapped up in plastic wrap as if they were going to be taken from the scene but they're not they're there they're there with so, the body I know so Weird. That's like Silence of the Lambs type shit. This is the beginning. Uh, this is just the tip of the fucking iceberg. <sighs> so many with thoughts. The, with the... So I'm surprised that thoughts. there aren't more conspiracy theories about the Gainesville Ripper because yeah. it doesn't make any sense. It's just all over the place. I don't like get all it. over the map. I don't get it. I know. 
so her breasts are, like I said, amputated, wrapped in plastic wrap next to her. And she's um, she has stab wounds in her back. She has five stab wounds to her back when they turn her over. And she's obviously been sexually assaulted. Her T-shirt also was cut <sighs> off of her body. But it was cut in such a manner that it led police to believe that she was already bound when mm. it was cut. Mm-hmm. So she was tied up. And then her clothes were removed. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, just just furthering this kind of ambush atmosphere. It seems like she was in the middle of something or sleeping or whatever, and she was just ambushed. They go upstairs and they find Sonia Larson. She's also dead, but she is on her bed and her legs are bent at the edge of the bed as if she had been sitting. And when she died, fell straight back. It's not until later that they examine the crime scene that they notice that she had really, because of the bloodstain pattern, she'd been pulled to the edge of the bed. And posed in that position. So she didn't die like that. She was moved into that position. She's been stabbed like upwards of 15 times. In the back too. In the back too. All in the back, yeah. yeah. There are a few clues that detectives take away from the scene. And by the way, this is a podunk Gainesville, Florida police department who have seen dead bodies before at crime scenes, but never seen this. this. Nothing that they've ever seen, nothing that they've ever handled. And they contact the FBI right away. Thank God. Because they're way in over their heads. Way over their heads. Yep, yep, yep. So they do find some clues at the scene. They find that the wounds that are made on the body look like they have been made by a military survival knife because of the serrating pattern on the underside. They uh, near Christina Powell's body, there was a towel next to her and a bottle of dish soap. And she has this kind of sheen on her skin that leads them to believe that she has been washed. The body's been washed to remove physical evidence. This is what's so weird to me. Okay, so you find a towel and dish soap next to the corpse Mm -hmm. and you find that it's been washed to remove physical evidence. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, in the kitchen, they find napkins on the counter that have semen in them. I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, I have theories. We'll get into them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get into it. We'll definitely. But it still just boggles the mind. The initial thought is that this is a crime of passion. Um, because of the brutal nature of it. They, they're thinking maybe a motive of revenge or something like that against the two girls because it's so involved. This is such an involved killing. There's so much deviancy. Right. There's so much violation. So they bring in the FBI right away because of the extreme brutality. And mm-hmm. we see this time and time. And again, I, I mentioned here that we saw this in the polyclass case. Within hours, the FBI is involved because mm-hmm. because sometimes these small town, you know, Petaluma Police Department, Gainesville Police Department, they just, they know that they're not equipped yeah. to do what they, is necessary. Right. While they're at this crime scene, they get a phone call from the Alachua County Sheriff's Office and their 18-year-old records clerk named Krista Hoyt did not show up for her midnight shift that night. So this is the early morning hours on Monday. And they say, hey, this woman didn't show up. And if somebody could stop by and do a welfare check, that'd be great. Deja vu. So they don't get to this right away because every cop in the Gainesville Police Department is at the Williamsburg apartments, like trying to correlate with the FBI. And so they don't get to this for like eight hours. They go over there at like four o'clock. So they're at the Williamsburg apartments at 8 a.m. At the end of processing that scene or doing what they can do, they go to Krista Hoyt's apartment. And now I get that they were all obviously busy, but a welfare check doesn't mean check this person within the next 12 hours. A welfare check means I haven't heard from them in Mm -hmm. X amount of hours. Something could be wrong. Wouldn't there be protocol to like check within a time frame of the request? I I think there might be now. Yeah. Like you can't like what what good is a welfare check hours and hours and hours later? Also, real quick, in the first apartment, did they say how he got in? Well, it's not until they process both crime scenes okay. and they that they start that. saying the where's the similarity. And, right. Yeah. Okay. They notice pry marks on the door mm-hmm. to the apartment mm-hmm. in the Williamsburg apartments that look like they were made by a screwdriver, but they can't tell. So now they go to 18-year-old Krista Hoyt's apartment. Um, and the, I'm going to say hours this, later. Is eight, this, this is eight tough. hours after processing the first scene. And I'm going to say this this section is some of the worst things I've ever read. <sighs> I know. I'm I've absolutely I've ever read. chills all over my body. So they go and they go to perform the welfare check. And it's a deputy sheriff who's going over there. So now we've got Gainesville PD, FBI, Florida State Police, and the Alachua County Sheriff's Office who are all involved. we got four police departments now. And they send a deputy. Did you see his interview? Oh, my good. Poor guy. Poor guy. Poor hymns. Poor man. The poor, poor little man who had sweet to go southern hymns. It's awful. I can't. So they go over to perform the welfare check and they knock at the door and no one answers. 
he decides to survey the building a little bit and see if there's any other way to get in. So he walks around the side of the apartment and he sees a chain link fence. She's got a tiny little yard on the side. There's a chain link fence that has been pushed down. He notices that and he goes further into the yard and jumps over the chain link fence away from the area where it's been pushed down because he wants to preserve it because it's clearly someone's gone through it. He jumps over. He goes up to the sliding glass door that's on the side of the apartment and they have like Venetian blinds hanging down at the sliding glass door and they're down to the bottom. But you know how with those blinds that are like cord retractable, there's always one side that's a little bit higher up. So he sees that down at the bottom at the Mm -hmm. floor and he's he crouches down on his hands and his knees to look under the blinds to see if he can see into the apartment. And that's when he's horrified to find Krista Hoyt on her bed, pulled to the edge, legs bent like she'd been sitting. And she is, in fact, sitting up. Upright. But she's completely decapitated. So her head is completely severed from her body. And she's sitting completely upright, nude, at the edge of her bed. So this is what he, this is the first thing he sees. He's horrified. He takes a step back. He calls for backup. And they break down the front door. Now they have reason. They have cause to go to forcibly enter the you apartment. Think? Yeah. Ugh. They go in. Now they're approaching the bedroom from the hallway instead of looking at it from the vantage point of the sliding glass door. They walk into the bedroom. Just to give you an idea, if you were outside looking through the sliding glass door, you're seeing the body on your right at the edge of the bed. If you're coming in from the hallway, you're seeing the body on your left. So now the first thing you see is that body. And as you enter the room, you notice that A bookshelf has been moved across. This was not visible from the sliding glass doors. A bookshelf has been moved from the living room into the bedroom and her decapitated head is sitting on it facing her headless body. Facing herself. Like if if all of this wasn't bad enough, he had the audacity to make this poor girl, like obviously she's not seeing anything, she's dead, but like this poor girl's eyes are technically looking Looking directly at the remainder of her mutant mutilated corpse she's bound at the wrist with duct tape again just like both the previous girls she's sexually assaulted like both the previous girls she's killed with a stab wound to the back i mean we're seeing parallels here she has a partial breast amputation so her nipples were cut off and sitting on her bedside table but uh not wrapped not wrapped in plastic wrap not totally amputated also that's great that you got that because i didn't i couldn't find that anywhere that they Mm -hmm. that the um amputations were there i I didn't realize that and her shirt was cut off too right like the first one her shirt's cut off in a similar pattern so it looks like she was bound and then the shirt was cut off you can see where the knife kind of hits an object and misses and has to has to push through it which i find fascinating I find all that so fascinating. In addition to the defiling, the removing of the nipples, the decapitation, there's a massive wound to her lower right abdomen, and she's partially disemboweled. So they have a serial killer on their hands, and they have a press conference and say, please be on the lookout. There's a dangerous person here. We have three murders. We're convinced it's a serial killer. And the first, this kills me, the first thought is that it's a pizza delivery guy. <laughs> because these are college students, yep. they have no reason. Now, the now the police are not releasing details like the no. sliding glass door was broken right, into. Right. There's signs of forced entry. They're not saying that no, because that they're trying to preserve something that info. only the killer would know. Everybody thinks that it's a pizza delivery man, okay? And and oh, and one more thing about that crime scene, you know, it is it's a it's a sad thing, but it's also a mercy. She was decapitated after she was dead. So she was stabbed and died and then was already deceased mm-hmm. when she was decapitated. Mm-hmm. As fucked up as that is, it is a mercy Small that mercies. this poor woman, it's really, really terrible. And I watched a bunch of interviews with her mom. It's just, I, it's, it's really beyond. Literally, if, if I couldn't have fathomed it before, just because of the kind of person I am, I'm sure I'm going to say this a million times in my life and a million times in this podcast, but become after becoming a mother myself, like I would rather jump into a fiery, lava-filled volcano mm-hmm. willingly <laughs> than have to deal with that yeah. as a mother. Like I, I would do literally anything I could possibly do to not ever have to deal with that. Yeah, I don't think oh, you're yeah. alone Losing in that. Losing a child no. is against... No matter how it's old your kid is, it doesn't matter. Like it's against yeah. it doesn't, na- nature. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's against nature. No matter how old the kid is, right. you know what I mean? A kid, a, an adult, you know. No, right. And as we're going to find out, for no fucking reason exactly. whatsoever. 
everybody's thinking they're trying to come up with theories. You know, the police aren't giving them that much. There's a serial killer on the loose. This is a bunch of college kids in a college town going, okay, how can we get ahead of it? And then how quick we... succession. Yep. Like, it happens immediately. Oh, yeah. Day, and then the next day, yep. and then... At this point, every single person that's been killed is a petite white girl with brown hair and brown eyes. Hence my fascination with this case. Right, exactly. So the FBI profile, they consider the suspect to be a well-organized white male, 20s to 30s, controlling, cautious, somehow associated with law enforcement. This is also fascinating. This is so fascinating to me, the FBI profiling. Profiling. That, it's Mm -hmm. so cool. Athletic build, not in a relationship, not holding a job, major psychological issues, emotionally or physically scarred. I think Quinny should become an FBI profiler. (laughs) I absolutely think she could I do it 100 oh, percent. Yes. oh my god yeah. let me make a fake tinder as an <laughs> fbi profiler yes see so see what you get so and what's the motive for this right you know the cops are saying it could be revenge because of the heinous nature of the crime but how are you going to connect all three of these women right together? and a lot of the police at that point thought like they were just having violent sexual fantasies and the sexual fantasies just built and mm-hmm. built and built and mm-hmm. then they felt like they had to go out over a 48 or 72 hour period and commit all of these crimes. Right. They start canvassing the neighborhood and they get nothing from the neighbors. They don't know a damn thing. They're not able to offer any insights. They have no idea. Which they is so scary. Anything. They Which don't is know so anything. Scary. It's terrifying. This is another big difference between Polly Class mm-hmm. and the Gainesville Ripper is that when Polly Class went missing, there were like 10 people who right. saw, saw a man things. in someone's yeah. yard for right. like hours the and never said neighbor. anything. Yeah. yeah. The, guy, the guy who lived behind the house. I like, can't. So now students are really starting to panic. A lot of people either leave campus peace out straight peace or out. just start buddying up yeah. so they they break their leases on their apartments so while this is happening and, and the area is in a total panic first forensic evidence comes in from the fucking napkins full of semen in the kitchen which I can't I don't you know what I mean mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. just come in your pants and then leave I mean I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to let you know. No, yeah. Anyway, no. I'm not trying Soil to tell you how to keep your physical sense. evidence out of a crime scene, uh, but dude, don't leave it in up. a napkin. He fucked up. He didn't, he, I don't think he meant to. It was but, a fucking stupid yeah, accident. I don't know. Probably well, yeah. sa- it probably saved some lives because totally. the napkin's tested and the blood type comes back as B. So they know they have a B positive. This is the birth of DNA. Mm-hmm. This is really when it starts being used like widely. The first thing they do with it is blood type it. They get a DNA profile, but they have nothing to compare it to. Once they have a suspect, they can compare it to that suspect. Right, but like, but what in the meantime, it yeah. just exists. Just you there. can't match it to anything. Exactly. We know he has a B blood type. So again, while the Krista Hoyt scene is being processed, the following day, Tuesday, August 27th, there's a bank robbery that takes place in Gainesville. You are talking about a place that is under 50,000 people, is a residential neighborhood, a college town, people feel safe walking at night, and in the course of five days, there's three brutal murders and a bank robbery. Mm -hmm. So the cops are like, okay, this is not an accident. Mm -hmm. This is the same person. Gotta be. Has to be. Which is an interesting leap to take. Or it has to be connected. Yeah. And I don't know because now we know, like since 9-11, when 9-11 was going on, Mm -hmm. a lot of people like settled scores Mm -hmm. in New York City. There was a lot of gang warfare that was like settled on 9-11. It Mm -hmm. was like everyone's distracted and now we're gonna clean up shop. Totally. So we know that when these catastrophic events happen, people take that opportunity to fucking make it happen. I think... I think this is also where the behavioral psychology comes into it as well. He was on a high. He was on right. a, um, a, a schiz- roll, like yeah. on a schizophrenic high, basically. Yeah. Where, the, which I think that um, some of the investigators did have think that this was someone that had a beha- uh, mental issue, is because if you're like schizophrenic, you get on these highs of this person that you are. But you're so exactly what to what you're saying is that this back to back crime. He he was. It's like almost as if he was on this high mm-hmm. that was also enabling him to. Continue like this a train uh, kept rolling. Train. Yeah. Right, right, right. And we'll, we're going to get into it because I have a lot. Mental health plays a lot into this. Into this. Um, yeah. According to World Health Organization, less than nine percent of violent crime is committed by someone with a mental illness. And I really do think that in 1990 they were like, "He's schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. He's whatever." Mm-hmm. And they just, they, they dismissed a lot of good information on the idea that it was just insane behavior. Which is what they do so often. Yeah, so we'll, we will definitely get into yeah, it. Yeah, because I have 
Yeah. Right. Again, I have thoughts. We're going to get into I have thoughts about things. At the bank robbery scene, the perpetrator ran from the bank and the die pack exploded. If you've ever worked in a bank inside of bundles of money, this one was red dye. Sometimes it's blue yeah, or green. Usually blue or what happens is when you they train you, I was a teller for a little while, when you take the money out and you set it on the counter, it hits and upon impact or upon pulling the bills apart, the die explodes. explodes. So you can do it or they can do it. So when you put the money up, it's a good idea if someone is robbing you to set it down hard because you're basically breaking the die pack apart on the inside of the bills. As they pull it apart, it's going to happen anyway. Because like either way, either way, you want the money to be covered, but you want the suspect. And if possible, you want the die to explode as soon as possible mm-hmm. so that you can literally follow the, the trail. trail out, which is exactly what happened. A canine was able to, a little pop, I can't. was able to Dogs. track the um, scent of the die and scent of the perpetrator all the way back to a campsite in the woods no one was there but what was found was money covered in dye number one me i can't a handgun ski mask assorted women's jewelry a cassette player and one screwdriver now the screwdriver sticks out because they know that something has been used to bust open these doors and it's not as big as a crowbar and someone floated the idea of a screwdriver After the robbery crime scene is processed, they take that screwdriver that they find and they compare it to the screwdriver that was used at both of the crime scenes that they have now. And they come to find out it is not the same screwdriver. It was the screwdriver in the dining room with the screwdriver. (laughs) It was Professor Plum. There it is. Colonel Mustard. It was Chris Kringle. (laughs) Jingle, jingle, jingle. They come to find out that screwdriver does not match the crime scenes. And so because of this fact, they separate the robbery and the murders. Hopefully now we've advanced enough as a society to know that people own more than one fucking screwdriver. I loved that note in your outline. Like the idea that you are going to... Uh, just based on that it's mm-hmm. just and i get it a lot of shit's happening they're trying to move they're as like, fast okay as so and let's move yeah yep, exactly move on yep. but they separate the robbery and the murder they act like they've been committed by two separate people also this is this is also just really interesting uh the cassette player that's at the campsite Ugh. they don't press play on at this point different times <laughs> different come on <laughs> so they don't press play on it which is you know whatever it's august 29th First murders are committed August 24th. Bodies are found August 26th. Robbery on the 27th. And now on the 29th, the Gatorwood apartment complex, their maintenance department gets a phone call. Tracy Paulus, she's a senior. She's about to attend law school at University of Florida. She is also not showing up places and not taking calls from her folks and... <sighs> They want the maintenance man to go into this apartment and this maintenance man has the foresight to call the cops to go with him because of everything that's going on. So the police are actually there upon entry into the building. They open the door. Tracy Paulus lives there. She's 23 and her roommate, Manny Taboda, live there. They're both 23 years old. Manny Taboda actually just finished his associates at a community college and this is his first four-year university semester. He's often not claimed as a University of Florida student because he was matriculated but he never completed any schooling because he was fucking murdered yeah. on campus before before he started, which that just gets under my skin. Mm-hmm. A little bit. I'm like, he's a student. Yeah, there, exactly. Okay. Come you don't on. have to tell everybody that he's a community college student. Yeah. He's a, he got into that school. He exactly. Was, right. Like, exactly. He lost his fucking life. He was, a, he was accepted. He was going to be attending. Media loves to shame the dead. Oh my God. We're going to get into it. We're going to get yeah. into it. They enter the apartment and they find both uh, Tracy Paulus and Manny Tabota dead. Manny is uh, found dead in a doorway, presumably the doorway to his bedroom. They're not quite moved in, so it's a little bit hard to tell. Mm. He has defensive wounds on his arms, and there's cast off too. Yeah, yeah, there's cast off blood pattern on the walls. It's clear that this is a case of the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. His body just left there. It's not. Yeah, and he obviously put up a a hard fight because he certainly did. And he was a big exactly. He was like a bigger dude, right? He was. He was uh, six foot two, two hundred and fifteen pounds. Two hundred. Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah, he he was a good. He was a good sized dude. He was a football player in high school. Right. They were both so beautiful. They were both so gorgeous. Tracy Paulus, again, she's she is just about to start law school. She was found like in the entryway to her bedroom. She's basically in the hallway outside of the bedroom, but she's posed in the corner. She has five stab wounds to her back. She has that glisten on her skin again, which shows the dish soap washing of the body. 
she's pulled from the bed and because of the blood path she was clearly in her bed when she died because of the blood stain evidence right looks like she was dragged by her heels out mm-hmm. into the hallway and she's been sexually assaulted they find that um the forced entry was through the sliding glass door same exact thing as krista hoyt same exact type of instrument that they assume is a screwdriver but not the screwdriver that they found at the campsite um they surmise that manny was in the wrong place at the wrong time he was just in the apartment and tracy was the intended target mm-hmm. because she matches the victimology because mm-hmm. up to this point we have five people dead now and four of them are women who are short petite brunettes with brown eyes he has a type so he is seeking them out and he is he's not even deterred by the fact that this right obviously anything that gets in his way he's taking it the fuck down (laughs) so at this point people are terrified yeah and tips start rolling in set up a tip line and they start rolling in and there's a bunch of students who are calling and remarking about a guy who's hanging around apartment complexes, hanging out in the woods, wearing combat fatigues, carrying a knife and uh, they call him a Satanist all the time and I'm just like, that oh was my a god. Big, Give me ooh, a break. That was the big... Which, whatever that means. You know what right? I mean? Like We know from the West Memphis 3 case that like whatever that means, yeah, exactly. it's whatever you want it to mean. His, <laughs> this guy's name is Edward Humphrey. He's 18 years old. If you get a chance through this next section and you're you're on your phone or you're listening to us at work just google edward humphrey he's interesting and look at his picture he's he's uh very scary looking he, yeah, he looks is. like he lo- he looks like a Disney villain. He looks mm, like one this of is those the blonde guy, right? Yeah. yeah, he looks like he looks like he's capable of something terrible. It's just For he sure. looks the part. He has a history of mental illness, and based on all of this information, the tips coming in, he is the initial suspect by the right. police. I personally see two things wrong with this. Number one, he does not hit, fit the FBI profile whatsoever. He, no, not even a little. And bit. And he has a residence, so why would he be camping out in the woods? I see major problems with this, but the police are actually incredibly reckless with this information. It's soon uh, leaked to the Gainesville Sun. His face is soon on uh, the fucking six o'clock news. Mm-hmm. And this guy is, is supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. And but they're already was, nailing him. He, they exactly. nailed him like, to look the at wall. This, look at this image that they, are, that they created permanently for life for this kid. So he leaves town. He goes home to visit his family because he's being accused of a crime he didn't commit. While he's home, he makes a mistake in such a hurry of leaving to not take his medication with him. He's bipolar. He's manic depressive. He's what they used to call manic depressive, but he's bipolar disorder. And he... um doesn't take his medication with him and when he goes home he gets into a physical altercation with his grandmother who's his next of kin cops are called and his brother who you'll see a lot mentioned in interviews his brother's like my brother has a mental illness this is what happens like if you go off your medication this is what happens like he's not capable of doing the things that that they said he did but the cops use this opportunity to arrest him for assault and battery of his grandmother and this helps them keep him in jail while they can figure out some way to tie him to the crime, they set his bail at one million dollars. The grandmother is doesn't like, want to press doesn't charges. want to press charges. Thank yeah, you. Like she right. doesn't even no. want to. Like she's aware. She's the one who got attacked, and she's like, no, it's just my grandson. She, like he, he had, has, he had. Know. They had to call the cops to subdue him. Right. Literally, right. This is where they also kill me too. Is because it's like, oh, he must be him. Altercation with the grandma. Yeah. There's a killer, sheriff, there's a serial sheriff who's killer. Actually, I have quoted here, and he says, "Violent behavior towards his grandmother is indicative of the type of person that he is." On the news, the he one says time this. this is an 18 year old, you know, and it's uh, who granted, doesn't fight with their family granted, he like shouldn't, that. At some point. Obviously, exactly. he shouldn't have gotten violent with his grandmother, but like, obviously, he's off his medication. And honestly, like, yes, maybe he shouldn't have been like lurking around apartments like while all of this is happening. Turn this podcast but, off for a minute and go call your grandmother. They bring him in for question. You know, the, now he's being held on assault and battery so they use this opportunity to question him and the police um, assert that he assumes different personalities during his police interview this is a really popular thing in the 1990s also i have not watched as much fucking sally jesse raphael oh yeah uh fucking phil donahue and geraldo okay in the last week i have been watching this and i'm like how did i ever watch this but sally jesse jesse raphael god those glasses is she alive Sally, if you're listening, we just call in, call call in. I had those glasses when I first got glasses. I was in second grade Mm. and my regular daily wear was like these purple speckled like. And then my like gym rough around like, you know, go outside and play was Sally Jesse. She is 100 percent still alive. Looking fresh to death. (laughs) How old is she? 
born February 1935. 1935. Wow. Age 84. Yeah. 84. Yeah. 84. Sally, if you're listening, huge fans. We're fans. Over here. We love and you. Anytime love that you want to call in. Love your work. Anytime that you want to call in. Thought Oprah was cool. We'll do a whole straight up Sally episode. Yes. <laughs> okay. When he's questioned, they say that he's assuming a lot of different personalities. And what this is, is, you know, I actually just am reading People magazine. Someone just saw the BTK article. Does this ever happen to you guys? Someone saw the BTK article and they're like, hey, Jocelyn would like this. And they just give it to you. <laughs> yep. You know, yes. they're yep. like, hey, this is about yes. murder. You yep. would like this. Yep. Yes. So in this in this People magazine, there's a whole section about well, what they call dissociative identity disorder or multiple personalities. It's hugely controversial. Yes. We were talking about this last week with fucking Bruce Blackman yep. and the mirror twin diagnosis. Yes. Yep. The, these this science is not um there's there's nothing to back it up. No. And you see all of these cases like you see like fucking Hillside Strangler and like all these people John Wayne Gacy, I know. you know, like I know. who say that there's these other personalities that come in and sort of take mm-hmm. over. They they say he's assuming different personalities. This is all entirely circumstantial yeah. evidence. Right, we don't know like, that. They for ask sure. for a blood and hair sample, he willingly gives it. They check his blood type and it's not B. And furthermore, because they have blood and hair they can extract a full DNA profile Mm -hmm. and it doesn't match the fucking semen at the scene so guess what this kid is totally innocent Innocent. has already gone through trial by the media and is totally innocent and now is just expected to leave and go live in Gainesville like a normal for the rest of his life exactly like I feel like he's probably still could be ruined to this day I I feel like he's he there's interviews with him you can see interviews with him now he'll talk about it and you know what else the poor grandmother okay the grandmother dies while he's before he was let go. Like she died not realizing and not knowing what like was going to happen to her grandson, even though she knew like he wasn't. He wouldn't she's, have done that. She's another thing. victim in this. This is a mess. Florida State Police, the Gainesville Police Department, they're working on leads. They're following up with tips. They're trying to solve the crime from that standpoint. But the Behavioral Science Unit uses their database to see if there's any other agency in the U.S. that has crimes similar to what has happened in Gainesville. And ding, ding, ding. We got a match in Shreveport, Louisiana. This is a triple murder cold case from November 4th, 1989. Julie Grissom, her nephew and her father were all killed inside of their house. Shreveport victims are eerily similar in that they're knifed. The bodies are posed. The bodies are washed. Now, this is the bodies of the men are washed mm-hmm, as well, mm-hmm. which is not what we have in Gainesville, at least with, at least Manny, for, with right. Manny. Yep. They have duct tape on their wrists and Julie Grissom is posed. posed. Now they are connecting these crimes and they notice that on julie grissom's left breast there's a bite mark now this triggers a lot of things because bundy was essentially convicted through a bite mark Mm -hmm. they extract saliva from that bite mark and they match the dna profile from the saliva to the dna profile that's at the first crime scene and they're an exact match not only is it a b blood type but it is an exact match Mm -hmm. so now we got from years before uh 1989 yeah okay and a totally unsolved Totally crime. unsolved. They could not figure out nope. any single thing. While this information is coming in, they get a tip. So someone in Louisiana rented a room to a person during the Grissom homicides. There are common areas to the house, so they end up right. talking to each other every now and then or making conversation. And this guy offers up the information. This is a direct quote. I'm a bad person. I like to stick people, which scared the fuck yeah, out of this woman. you think? He left He left pretty soon after that. And the name of this tenant is Danny Harold Rowling. Once they get his name, they run his name through the uh, national database and they find out that he is currently incarcerated. He's in custody in Ocala, Florida for a robbery. Burglary. <laughs> shortly after the Gainesville homicides. So they decide, let's go to Ocala and go talk to this guy. They sit him down across the table from them for an interview and they really play it off like they're just trying to eliminate him. Hey, this is, you know, you were around the Gainesville area. We're just trying to eliminate you. He voluntarily gives a blood, hair, and semen sample. Good that he did. But, Good that he did. But what, what is going on through his mind? Yeah. I'm telling you, he's just not all there. Well, no. It's a B blood type. It matches the DNA profile. Just all the shit. At boat at every single crime scene that it's been extracted from, mm-hmm. I'm dead. So he's charged with all crimes. He's charged with he's he's charged with all crimes in Florida. We'll get into what happens in Louisiana. He's charged with all crimes and he pleads not guilty. 
So what do we know about Danny Harold Rowling? I've heard Rowling and Rowling, but I think it's Rowling. I think it's Rowling. Yeah, I've yeah. Seen it. it was like pronounced and they said like row a boat. Rolling, like, rolling, rolling. Mm-hmm. Keep your boat rolling. Roll, roll your boat <laughs> gently in Florida. <laughs> Danny Rowling was born May 26, 1954. I have a really hard time with this. There's a lot of information about his childhood, but it all comes from him, so I don't fucking believe a word of it. This exactly. happens all the time. There are so many killers. We have so many cases that we've covered already well, that this I, is a thing. I did read an article um, from the, what was it, Orlando Sentinel that mm-hmm. interviewed his mother. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. and she actually corroborated a mm. lot of it. He claims extreme emotional and physical abuse mm-hmm. in his childhood, especially from his father. His brother sort of had a hand in it. It was a violent household. The father was beating the mother. The kids were trying to protect the mother. Then the kids were fighting each other. You know, abusive behavior is kind of rampant. When Danny's in third grade, his mom decides that we're done. We're out. It's right around Christmas. And we're packing up and leaving. And what I find really interesting about this imagery is that they throw the Christmas tree from the house in the car so the kids can take the Christmas tree with them. And later on, we're going to find that the campsite has like hints of a Christmas tree, like hints of some sort of foliage decoration. That's like not And it's August. It's not anywhere near. It's really weird. The Christmas season there's 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 like christmas connections to the story it's really but they don't but they don't stay away for we should have got they, some fucking jingle bells in here dingo, dingo, dingo. so they don't stay away for long they go back and they're right back in that abusive environment you know his mother had a nervous breakdown which god poor you know woman. completely poor woman but i just wish that we knew what she actually had yeah <laughs> I, right, like, right 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 exactly you know like what was actually wrong because they just like would lump that, you know, any of those symptoms together and say, oh, she had a breakdown. At this point, Danny's coming into his adulthood and he he starts, basically his criminal history is just connected to grocery store robberies in a ski mask with a handgun. Um, the handgun's usually never fired, sometimes into the air, but not fired into anyone. He hasn't killed anyone with it. So that's really where they start thinking about the robbery connection to Gainesville. Once they start looking into this guy's history and seeing that he is a burglar, that makes them think of the bank robbery on the morning of processing the Krista Hoyt scene. And then they go back to the campsite evidence. And he was a peeping Tom too. Yes. 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 Okay. So creeper peeper. Yes. So I'm, I will get into that with the psych, the psyche valve. They go back to the campsite evidence and they're looking through it and they decide to press play on the cassette player, which is great. And it is Danny Rowling singing and playing guitar. And the lyrics are real creepy. A lot of it is about, I've done things I can never take back. The whole song is a story about a man named Jesse that murders people. Yep. That he wrote. Yes. Wasn't there also a statement on the recording as well? There was. There was. I heard I heard it. At the end. Where he's just talking. Yep. I have to go do this thing now. I have to now. go down. I have to go take care of something. Play the tape when you first and find when it, the cops, people. I mean, we're going to get into the questioning of him and, and his subsequent confession and what he, in that moment, the cops say, when you say at the end of that tape, I have to go do something. Were you talking about going to the home of Christina Powell? And yeah, because it was right before that or and whatever. And he's like, yeah. yep. I mean, he completely admits it. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah. He makes a statement at the end that yeah. is eventually used against him. And this music is fucking horrible. First Ugh. of all, there's nothing I hate more than somebody with a guitar in my face. Oh, God. Yeah, but it is I, definitely like your biggest pet peeve. It so is it's my funny biggest that you say that. pet peeve in the I hear you. So I'm not going to lie. So I'm not going to lie. It's really funny that you say that because I had an almost an opposite reaction. The song is fucking creepy as fuck. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But he literally, if he... C- were to have had a career in singing instead of serial killing, I think that he like had the potential to like really. He, I didn't hear it. it there's some. Ta- it. There's a little oh. bit of talent behind it. It gives me. It gives me like a little bit of like a country, country southern. Love, yeah. He's doing his best, Hank Williams. Oh my god, it's like a. It's very much like a Hank Williams, uh, Bob Dylan oh, type. No, um, no feel. Mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, I will hate it. I'm telling you, <laughs> there's nothing I cannot even do. Do you remember that episode of Thirty Rock? where Tina Fey's boyfriend is playing yes. her a song and she, he can only get through a few words and she's like, I hate you. Yep. And he's yes. like, what? And she's like, nothing. I've had that. Sounds great. I it's dated also a couple like, guys. Like, I hate you. It's also, <laughs> like, it's also like Chris Pratt too in Parks and Rec because yes. he, like, he just has well, a guitar. You, just can't, riff, you yeah. just can't like not, there's nothing to hate about Andy Dwyer. No. Like, there's just oh like, oh my God. I love him. I would I marry him myself. He's the best. He's the best. He is the best. I will say. I love it. 
little horse and you're dead. <laughs> His song about April, November. Oh this is a song about April. Yeah. Also, I dated a couple of dudes, dated like, you know, yeah, hung yeah, out yeah, in high yeah, school yeah. with musical abilities. Also, I was a musician. Like I yeah. literally mm-hmm. had music ability and then they're coming at me like, oh, let me do some guitar chords and you sing a song. Stupid and song. sing and stare at you directly yes. making eye contact. While they and I'm sing like, Stairway to Heaven. It was butthole surfers. Oh. It's like, like it's oh. like. See, I love it. I can listen to it all day. See, I would rather why, do anything else. It's Winnie, my this soul. Is why, this is why people do it because there are some people who love it. Oh, I do. Like melt. I'll melt into a puddle if a man pulls a guitar out and plays Don't music. Don't you Dare serenade. Don't <laughs> oh, dare. Serenade me until the cows come home. No, no, no. Serenade no, me no. until the cows come home. There's only one person who I would allow in the world to serenade me, and that would be John Legend. Ah. And I would accept it for a limited time. <laughs> yeah, I can't for deal approximately with approximately no. Approximately six minutes. No, I can't deal with it. Approximately like, one minute, 30 seconds like, worth, and that would be it. Oh, it just, it's just so like I have PTSD of sitting at a party and having such a good time and I'm having such a good time with people. I'm having conversations. Someone walks over with a guitar and I'm like, well, I guess I'm going I'm home. Good. Like, and you can't. ruined it. And you ruined and it. And you ruined it again. That's so funny. That's you can hilarious. have it. You can, you can, you can, you get serenaded every day, oh, Queenie. God. This time, when they go back to the screwdriver evidence, they submit it again, and this time it's a perfect match to the crime scenes. Yeah, I can't. Actual, I have no idea what that. Like, I this again goes back to their inability to do effective crime solving. What I would like to do, I am so interested in this. Like, I would love to just like take one forensic science class like anything of any of any of the parts just to see like I obviously it's not a you know easy thing to do like obviously like scientists are scientists for a reason it's not like right. any just anybody can do it you know what I mean it's not always a cut and dry answer but like I want to take that class and I want to learn because I want to know how difficult how? is it how do you figure this out? Like, I want answers. How is it that evidence just completely c- continues to just be completely like How could it be completely wrong one time and then go <sighs> a complete match the next time and it's the same stuff? Well, the problem is that we're expected to believe it. Like, we're expected to believe. How much is human error? Poli- it's like, we're expected to believe that the police department is giving us the, uh, thorough. the, the thorough exact amount mm-hmm. of Maybe the first time they just did a bad job. Right. But they'll never right. come out and say that. They'll of just say it matches course. now. And it's right. like, I mean, who knows who was. Yeah. Yeah. My confidence. Yeah, exactly. We got Danny Rowling in Ocala. He's in jail. He's charged with the crimes. He pleads not guilty. They're going to keep him in the Ocala jail until the Gainesville trial. While he's there, he has a, psych- a psychological evaluation. And in this psyche eval, he reveals heavy physical, emotional and sexual abuse as a child. According to him, he's sexually abused by his brother and his father, and he is uh, physically and emotionally abused by everyone in his family, including his mother, which is very different from his mom. It's a little bit Gacy, like he seems to really love his mother, but he also, when it serves him, likes to say that she did a bunch of fucked up stuff. Same as Menendez brothers. Same as Menendez, yeah. And also in her interview, she did not say anything about any sort of sexual abuse in any capacity. It all was emotional and just physical abuse. He also reveals that he is a peeping Tom and what he would do when he was a child in his unhappy home life, he would walk around his neighborhood and he would stare into the windows of families who had a traditional family unit. And we see this a lot like in movies. It's Mm -hmm. like dramatized a lot of like this little kid, which is, which also makes me believe that it's just not true. We see it a lot in movies where like this little kid is like looking in the window and like wishing that that was his life. Mm -hmm. Seeing the family at the dinner table. uh And it's just like whatever, Mm -hmm. like kind of wishing for a better life. And one time by accident, he sees a young girl getting out of the shower when he's looking in the windows. I don't know why you're looking for a traditional family unit in the bathroom Exactly. Window. There's that's an interesting whatever. He sees a girl get out of the shower and he comes his pants. And that is the beginning and we see this time and time again. We see it with Bundy, we see it with John Wayne Gacy, we see it with Richard Ramirez. There's some incident that flips a switch in mm-hmm. them. It's like Gacy when he killed the first boy and when he killed him he came in his pants. Yep. As soon as those things are interlocked, you are fucked. It's done. Yeah. The root of all evil is erections. Okay? okay. I'm really <laughs> sure that like your relationship to your dick causes so much Problems. fucking strife. Yeah. Uh, Seriously. God. With my dick. 
with my, my dick. It's believed from the psychological evaluation that he wanted to show his father that he could excel at something. Anything. Even murder. The cops get a phone call from the Ocala jail and Danny Rowling wants to talk. So the police go there. And he tells them that he will only speak through his jailhouse inmate. Like, it reminds me of a fucking Austin Powers movie. There's this guy who is charged with all these murders sitting next to his room, to his his roommate, his his, um, fellow inmate. The cops are asking questions. He is whispering the questions into the other inmate's ear and then having the other inmate yes. speak. And I literally, I'm I just can't. like, what? This is the beginning of the circus. You all he die. called them. He wanted to talk to them. It you all goes don't... back to his control issues. He had serious control issues. You had to have control and dominance over every single situation. But wouldn't is you his think life. his ultimate control would be his own speaking voice, speaking directly to? He has control through another human so that's fulfilling i'm surprised he didn't come in his pants yeah well that's true so finally the investigators are like you know what let's just start let's just let's just start asking him directly just asking him questions directly you know this is much like the people who got bundy to talk in the end just find a way to kind of play to his ego and be like and finally the the officer starts going isn't that right danny isn't that right, Danny? And finally, Danny Rowling is just like, "Yep, that's right." And they're like, "Oh, you're capable of speaking." Oh, you're going to actually yeah. right. You're going to talk to us. literally, the other inmate just sits there while he just gives the rest of his confession. Mm-hmm. That poor guy. Mm-hmm. His confession is the most pathetic thing I've seen outside of his singing. It's like it, it's just it's so like I wish I you know it, the, it's such fake. It is such fake hologram manufactured remorse i i i'm telling you that's why i have such an issue with like going into his background because i don't believe a fucking word that this guy says see i don't agree because i feel like these people are fucking sick dude you can't not be sick when you are doing shit like this. i agree that they are when ted bundy fucking has this uh guy that comes to interview him and this switch goes off and he changes his whole fucking voice and starts talking in third fucking person and makes his whole confessions in this sick and twisted altered personality. These motherfuckers are sick. But dude. Bundy was like, I will be whoever you need me to be at the moment to exactly. prove my point. Exactly. He, that yes, is but, what I'm saying. Okay, they but, use it at the time when it but is do you not think for them. But do you they not think that that's sick? Oh yeah, that's I do. Fucking I do. Demented? I, I, I think it is. I think he's a narcissist. I think he's a sociopath I think he's not capable of feeling but I refuse to believe that you are actually sorry for what yeah. you have done no if you have if you are only expressing remorse in a time when you're about to be fucking sentenced to death yep. I don't think that these people have fucking remorse I'm saying these people are fucking they have oh, fucking no, they are seriously yeah. sick mental issues like I don't think they have fucking empathy that's what I'm saying though yeah. in this yeah, confession yeah. he's like I'm so sorry right. remorse I right. and I just don't I just don't buy I don't believe it for a second. I don't believe it for a second. I don't believe it for a second. It's just like me with the Menendez brothers. Like I get so like I don't believe it. So but then even even if it if like like I said like even if, if that is did, the no, case even if happen, that was your childhood that fucking happened. You, you don't, don't have an get the to right to kill people. One hundred percent. Yeah. So. Queenie, Katie is the champion of the Menendez brothers. Of the Menendez I brothers, love it. free hashtag free the Menendez brothers. Okay. I can't. So uh, don't follow that hashtag. All right, <laughs> it's going to be a popular one now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Making T-shirts, bitches. So okay. So uh, on the first day of his trial, this is uh, packed in with reporters and Gainesville residents and people who really, you know, the victims' families. Obviously, um, on the first day of his trial, the he asked victims' families. Yeah. It's awful. It's awful. If you, if you, you know, if you're listening it's and you have the time, the interviews with Christo Hoyt's mom are the saddest thing. They I are. Ever had. Like, if you really, really want to ruin your day, I would look that up. <laughs> you really want to shit on if your you own really day. Want to shit on your own day. So right before the trial starts, he asks to address the court, and he changes his plea to guilty in that moment. After all that buildup, after all that, I'm going to plead not guilty, he changes to guilty in that moment. People are shocked. How mad would your lawyer be? Attorneys are shocked. (laughs) Yep, attorneys are shocked. Um, And and, uh, the public is shocked. And really what the prosecutor in this case surmises is that he didn't want to listen to the details of his crime. Mm. 
which is a ama- and now this is the but first why not? this is the first flag planted on the capture the flag game of why I think he has nothing to do with Ted Bundy and they are completely different. Ted Bundy on cross examination when he represented himself, himself in the fucking Florida right. State murders case, he made the first officers on scene go through the damage and the minute detail, the minutia yeah, of that off crime that scene shit, right. in. In full detail. That makes detail. detail. Yeah. That takes total and sense. And he yeah. loved it. He relished in it. He loved it. He called officer after officer and he he just made them all say the same thing. I think that Quinny was really um, spot on about that as far as him just really wanting to be a superstar. Mm. And I think they just, I think there's just a lot of mentioning of him just having a quote where he said, I want to have this superstardom like a Ted Bundy. Right. So mm. he just like, he just referenced him. He wasn't like trying a super fan or trying or to like be copycat. him. Right. He and there were to be just, as infamous as. and also I think the, again, that goes back to media doing that too, where they're like, yeah. oh, these were all Ted yeah. Bundy, like, uh, things and yeah. it's like no the fucking cases yeah. are completely fucking yeah. different yeah. everybody well, there's so like, many people who are like he, he idolized ted Bundy, right and no, I, just like, don't, no. I don't think that's I just the case don't, at all uh, yeah. i no. just don't see it yeah. no. um and also if you look up his picture he looks like ted bundy to me looks like um you know uh, somebody that you would see in a pro- professional career, like a like a finance manager, mm-hmm. oh, absolutely, or a, and he an was, executive, or, and he a, was always or an like, attorney. He looks very well dressed. He looks very he much like one of those boy. guys. Yes, Danny Rowling looks like a little league coach. Yeah, mm. he lo- there's something I cannot put my finger on. It. I was trying to pin this down yesterday. I can't put my finger on it, but he looks just like someone, mm. and I don't know who. But it's got some. It's wrapped up in my childhood somehow. It's a basketball coach, yeah. or a, a, so he just looks. He just looks so fucking normal. He really so does. totally he really normal does. that it's just it's it's so weird. But um, I also don't. I think that he was like. Like I think I feel like Ted Bundy was like way more of like a ladies man, you know. Like I yeah. I feel like yeah. Ted Bundy had those oh, piercing sure. blue eyes, and he just like stole the women. He knew it. Whereas this he knew guy it. was this like, guy did not like get women. Like he did that. not get yeah. women. He didn't no. get it in like that. No, Ted Bundy was the big bad wolf, right? And this guy was the little pig making his house out of straw and semen. So on April twentieth, nineteen ninety four, he is sentenced to death. It's a it was twelve to zero. It's unanimous consent mm-hmm. to send him to the fucking chair. I actually think he ended up with shot because he was an executed until 2006 I think it still would have been the chair mm. in the 90s mm-hmm. yeah. um, but he yeah. ended up lethal you know injection. yeah lethal injection he was never charged for the crimes in Shreveport because Florida was going to kill him first yep can you and believe this is we see this with Bundy again we see it again he was he was going to get death from Florida mm-hmm. so the other states are saying yes you killed people in our state yes you're guilty of that but we're never going to try you for that because we're not going to waste taxpayer money right. on another trial on top of that you're already going to die but the thing is no. the families of exactly people they need the put justice it, put the closure. They need it. give them the closure they need it Something. and it's it's just um, it's so true either way they need to be held accountable regardless of whether they're going to get the sentence they right. want or not. They need to be held accountable. So let me ask you this. Danny Rowling, abused by his by his whole family, as he as he says, but primarily by his brother and his father, grows up to murder women specifically. One type of woman. One type of woman specifically. How do you reconcile with relation to the Menendez case how the Menendez kill the type of people who abuse them? But Danny Rowling kills the only person who didn't abuse him. Or the Menendez brothers kills the people who did the abusing. Yes. Danny Rowling kills innocent people who didn't even match the type of his alleged abusers. Exactly. Right. That's my question. Right. That's my question. <sighs> I get it's tough. It's tough. I think the difference is the brutality of the murders. Grant I mean, granted, the Menendez brothers that shot their brutal. parents a shit yeah. ton, yeah. but they didn't um, you know. Well, there was no sexual component. There was right. no sexual components. I guess my biggest thing is that I just don't think that the Menendez brothers are 100% straight up evil. (laughs) I don't think that they're 100% pure fucking evil children. Whereas, um, I, I, I guess what I feel is that all of these people that are able to, if you are able to commit a murder and you are able to fucking kill someone, regardless of how you go about doing it, Ted Bundy and Danny just happen to be two really fucking extra super twisted individuals. 
If you are capable of that, then you, there is something inside of you that is different. It's, if it's off kilter, if it's, there is some sort of mental something there if you have crossed that line, which is to kill. So, okay. So I told, that makes sense. But why is he killing women? But why is he killing women? Well, well I think because okay, he so had the, an issue with his mother. But here's the thing. But his she mother is the only one. One that cared and loved about him, but he didn't feel that way. Him personally, he felt like his mother abandoned him because she kept leaving his father so even because if, she was abusive. So even if that's the case and he fully admits that he was he was abused by his brother and his father primarily and his mother was involved, much like the Menendez brothers. Right. Okay, so why does Danny Rowling grow up to kill the least of the evil from his childhood? Right. Mm-hmm. Why does he repeat that fact? Well, I think that I mean, I think that Solely. It's, I do think that it's connected. I think that it's I think that he had a hate um, like a, a particular hatred for women. What we're talking about is childhood trauma that's manifesting in violent behavior as right. an adult. Right. So the Menendez brothers have extreme childhood trauma mm-hmm. from what they say. Mm-hmm. And then they go on to kill their abuser. Mm-hmm. Why does Danny Rowling grow up to kill the person who abused him the least? Right. Yeah. That's that's where I cannot ferret out this case. I have a theory. Okay. But I don't necessarily think this is it, but you could argue it could be it, if that okay. makes any sense. Because he did try to kill his father. He shot him. He shot his father. He shot his father. Okay. And I think he lost his eye or something. God. And, um, but he didn't kill him. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was before the Shreveport murders. So right. That's probably why it's not as reported because he yeah. didn't die. Right. right. He didn't die. So. But physical altercation. Physical altercation. Dad, yeah. Definitely violent violence toward him. But I don't know whether he actually had gone out with the intention to murder or if he was just violently acting. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't mm. know if it was a premeditated thing. I want to kill my dad, but he obviously there was a violent act. He maimed him. Okay. But he lived. And in the article with the mom later on, the dad's in the background screaming like, Oh, he's just a good for nothing. Like he doesn't do anything right. like whatever, whatever. So like, I think that possibly, whether it was an intended murder for his father or not, either way, he failed to get the ultimate justice from his allegedly abusive father. And he probably has seen that, okay, yeah, the mom left a couple times. She had that whatever nervous breakdown. But in reality, she did nothing to save him. Or protect them. Protect really from him. Okay. Like there was like the mom even said like when he was like a year, a year and a half old or whatever, before he started to walk, his father abused him for not crawling properly. Mm. Okay. And the mom says this but doesn't say anything that she tried to intercede to, to try to help. No, the him. only you thing she I mean? says is that she just fucking left a bunch. She left a bunch. <laughs> and that's good that she even made those attempts because some women don't even do that, but she always crawled back. She always, always came, came back. back. To the and like, who knows like with the daily goings on, like she obviously didn't seem to do anything to try to protect him in any way. So maybe even though he had like a love for her, cause it's obviously his mother and he sees that she's obviously a huge victim as well. He probably has deep rooted hate that the fact that, but you didn't do anything to save me. Mm. You saw this going on all the time. It happened to you. It happened to me, your son and you and your other son. And you did nothing to stop it. Also, you know, you know what I mean? So right. maybe it's an even more deep rooted, deep rooted because hatred. he's struggling with Grudge. the fact that he loves her and she was also a victim. Whereas the father was not a victim of anything. He was just a straight abuser or, or you know, a tyrant where he's killing the women because he has this struggle with how he feels about her. That's my theory. I also find it really interesting. His escalation. Like the first one, like he, like, you know, broke in, he killed them or whatever. He posed them, stabbed them, yada, yada. All she those things like were the same. But like the second time with Christina Hoyt, he waited in her home. She wasn't even home when he got there and he waited till she got there the next day at 11 o'clock in the morning. He just sat there and waited for her. Mm. And then her killing was a little bit more brutal. Right. With the head, you know what I mean? And all that kind of thing, right? Hers took a little bit more time. Then the third one. Like we said, Manny was quick, there quick, 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 and boom, he was boom, like, boom. I was don't like, care. I have to get to my intended target. I don't care who is in my way. Mm. Okay. And he's getting more haphazard. And okay? that one has, but that one has a lot more. That but scene that had one, a lot more evidence. That like, one had a lot more evidence. More... And that one, the freaking black bag, dude. The black bag. 
bag. I was wondering if we were going to talk about the back. Okay. So meanwhile, like it's getting quicker. They're on it. They are hot on his trail. Okay. And the, the security guy and the police are there and they see this, this black bag next to Tracy's body. I thought it was the um, apartment guy that lets them into the apartment. He the saw maintenance it, man found the bag. Them. The, the police come and like five minutes later, the, the police are there and it's gone. gone. He was still there. So like, it's like, he's still like ruminating in. And then they found the, bag. the crime scene. They found the bag at the campsite. The black bag okay. was at. So like, the I just feel it's like really campsite. weird where it's like, it's escalating in there's a little bit more, it's a little bit more brutal each time, but also it's getting more and more haphazard and more reckless and sloppy, Yeah, which is normally, I think it's kind of the opposite. Usually it's like sloppy in the beginning and then they like get into it and then they're getting really like, they get shown down on how they do it. So it's like really interesting to me that it it was so quick, so fast and getting so sloppy at the same time. That's another thing. None of he does these all like this depraved posing of the corpses. He like decapitates her and faces her, but the actual act is all done without them even looking him in the face. Like he's doing it all behind their back. Where normally, like if they're so deep rooted in rage and passion, it's usually like a face on intimate crime. Where this is the exact opposite of that. In terms of final thoughts on Danny Rowling and why he did this, uh, to me, do you guys remember the murder of Lauren Giddings? Remember the, I know the name. She was a law student. She was just about to graduate. She was in like Tennessee or Georgia. She was in one of those real southern states. She was murdered in her apartment and her body was found in the dumpster of the apartment mm-hmm. building. And um, it was her next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. It was another student that was in school with her. Yes. And she was a big uh, runner. And she would run through the neighborhood and people would know like, oh, that's Lauren. You know, like she does these long jogs and whatever. She wasn't taken during a jog, but a lot of people knew who she <sighs> was because she was me. running through, the, through this. But the point of the story is that the guy who did it, the guy who who did this was her neighbor. And as soon as the cops got there and then the media got there, he gave an interview on mm-hmm. air, like right when the media got there about how sad and broken mm-hmm. up he was that mm-hmm. she was dead. My neighbor's dead. And it's right? totally insincere. It's entirely watching it. It's like Chris Watts style. It is totally fucking insincere. Yep. And you get the feeling that he just can't help himself. It's surmised by the police that just the fact that Lauren was as beautiful as she was, as talented as she was, as capable as she was running through the neighborhood created a reaction in him that he uh, could not control. Mm -hmm. We hear this all the time. Women get raped and murdered all the time because um, they were wearing a short skirt. They were dressed, quote unquote, promiscuously. Mm -hmm. We see this all the time. And Danny Rowling really strikes me as a real men's rights dude. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. He strikes me as somebody, if that story is true, and he did see a woman get out of the shower and he came his pants... Um, if that's the case, I can see someone like him with such a limited perspective and such a fucking microscopic amount of humanity. I could see someone like him seeing this happen, having this physical reaction happen to him just from the image of a naked woman and hating women Mm -hmm. from that point for because they have the power to do that to him him. totally i love that it's very it's very gacy like it's very like i'm gonna kill all the boys i'm attracted to yep yes because i don't want to be gay that yes shame like interpersonal shame yeah so i I really and that's very interesting posing of the bodies i i think because he doesn't have control over his own body right that's every single Mm -hmm. show that i every coverage that i watched that is what they every investigator every police man said everything is that the level of the posing and positioning of these women was so extravagant that it was obvious that his level of need for control was like on a whole nother yeah. motherfucking level yeah like totally. to an extreme I, th- I really i do think that the posing has to do with like no i'm gonna put you in mm-hmm. this position and beyond that with the decapitation it's like now you can look at you mm-hmm. and see what happens. Yes. I really yes. think it's that. I fuck. Yes. I think so too. Yes. And I think it's interesting that you brought up that other case about that girl you just said who I Lauren Giddings. Yeah, which okay. I really think it's it, so, look her up. 
She was an amazing woman. How and insane she was- is it that homeboy gets on the camera, is in the crime scene, okay? And this goes back to the killers returning to the crime scene, which yeah. is so further proves that how they get off on this shit. It there's how there's they guys really- going for ser- in the search parties, searching right. for their own victims. Yes. Like, come on. <gasps> yeah, fucking, fucking Teresa Halbeck. Fucking making a murderer. Mm-hmm. Fucking yes. That's their whole case. Is yes. that that guy, that friend of hers? Yeah. Yes. We could go on and on about oh, Steve Avery. Seriously. You know. God. Say what you say what you want, guilty or innocent. That is a horrible, unfortunate yes. situation. God, I agree. What that do is you the think? saddest, grayest life. We shouldn't even get into it because oh, that's, that's a whole so nother ballgame. Um, so on October, October 25th, 2006, listen, we really, really want to tell you about Danny Rowling and his journalist wife. Please. Oh. Um, but we're going to save that for a, for a bonus episode that yeah. will drop. October 25th, 2006, Danny Rowling is executed by lethal injection. He got the shot, which is which is unfortunate. I wish he got the chair. I hear that's much more painful. A lot of family members went to. Oh, to yeah. The- they were all there. They felt like they needed to. And it's funny because at, at Bundy's execution, like people tailgated Florida. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I people know. tailgated yep. and did all this crazy shit and stayed up all night and, you know, at his execution. But Gainesville Ripper, not so much. It was much more somber yeah, for no, obvious he, reasons. And he didn't have a girl tr- girl fan train. Like, it was t- somber. Bundy well, he didn't need one because he had his yeah. dear old. He had homegirl London, well, and then which we get in, which obviously no, we're, we're gonna get into, get into and then his last freaking words: "None greater than thee." None greater than thee, oh lord. None greater than thee, oh lord. Like get out and singing under his breath. I wish that one person, their final words, what before they're executed, was "I'm a piece of shit." Yeah, I right? really, w- I really I wish that someone would have the fucking wherewithal to be like, "I am a trash pile." I can't wait to get into Eileen's last words next uh, week. Oh my oh. god. She I love is it. Something. She's oh fucking something. I love it. Yeah. Um, but his last meal was lobster, shrimp, baked potato, strawberry cheesecake, and a sweet tea. Where'd yeah. you get that, Quinny? Oh, That's yeah. Great. yeah. I didn't oh, know yeah. that. That was his final meal. We should do a whole episode on, on final on executions and final meals. They get wild, yeah. They get real crazy. Yeah, but that's that's Danny Rowling. That and then uh, fucking strap on your drifting shoes and dye your hair <laughs> blonde because we're going straight to Eileen Wernos after that. So it's going to be fun. Get one. ready. Um, follow us on social media. Um, straight up evil podcast. Is that our Instagram? Yes. Fuck yeah. You can uh, if you have ideas for stories or anything you want to tell us, you can send us a straight up email at straight up evil at gmail dot com. Keep in touch with us. Let us know what you think. Ladies. We're gonna get into it. Let's go tape our songs on a cassette tape in the middle of the woods. Get a campfire and have some dyed money. I'm get done, done with night. your father and I'm taking the Christmas tree and throwing it in a trunk. Give me that brunette. Give me that brunette. Let me get the brunette. Let me get the brunette. When you see the dish soap next to your house, get away. Get a dishwasher and get the Tide Pods. And put it in can't the- wash a body with a Tide Pod. Darn dish soap will do the fucking trick.